0: Turn in your Bibles this morning to John chapter 16, verse 33. John 16, 33, with us this morning. And again, thank you for all your prayers for my father. Uh, he had the physical of all physicals, two days in the hospital, really three days, Sunday through Tuesday. They checked him out from stem to stern, and he got an A O 100% report. Everything came back negative. Everything came back negative, and uh, uh, he came out. He said, "I'm healthier than you are, Phil." And uh, he preached the two Sunday early Sunday morning services this morning. So he preached in our two early morning services, and on his way up to minister at my brother's church uh, this morning uh, as well, and doing just great. So thank you for your prayers. Uh, if you hadn't heard, he passed out in the in the middle of his message last week's Sunday morning, and so we thank the Lord for, for God's goodness. We'll turn to John sixteen thirty three 33, uh, in the middle of the, the Word this morning, and I hope and pray you have a message study guide. If you did not get one, lift up your hand. An usher will get one to you. I thank the Lord for family. Amen. I, I don't understand why my, my siblings wouldn't want to spend a whole week with me, Um when I when I was growing up uh, with my brother, uh, I spent an entire week one time uh, telling him that I was an alien from Alpha Centauri and I was in a human body and I was really an alien and I got him believing it. And, uh, uh, I would I would put his favorite toy, he's five years younger than me, I'd put his favorite toy in the basement at the bottom of the laundry chute, and I'd wait for him to come and get his favorite toy, and I'd pour a bucket of cold water down the laundry chute all over his head. And then one day, he, he had just watched Superman on TV, and he said, Phil, Phil, I want to have x-ray vision. I said, you know how you can have x-ray vision? And he says, How? I says you take this cream called Bengay and rub it on your eyes. I don't understand why my, my brother says he has emotional scar tissue against me. <laughs> 3,500 years ago, a young man was seen walking a dusty road down the, the, the pathways of Canaan, which would later become Israel. His brothers, his stepbrothers, his 10 stepbrothers right away recognized him even though he was being seen from far, far away. How did they recognize him? Well, all of their clothes that they wore were bought by their dad on clearance from Walmart. While this brother, This son was dad's favorite. And dad bought the priciest and the fanciest clothes for this stepbrother, his favorite from Lord and Taylor. And here he comes with a coat of many colors. And right away they were filled with jealousy, hate, rage. You know the story. You know the Bible narrative. He was sold into Egyptian slavery. If you were sold into Egyptian slavery, you were as good as dead. You lost your inheritance. You lost your name. You were a nobody. If you married in slavery, your wife became a slave. Your children would be a slave for perpetuity. Forever. Slavery. Good as dead. There in slavery, in Potiphar's household, the Bible says that uh, Potiphar's wife, uh, uh, Joseph's master's wife, the Bible kind of paints her as what? A cougar. And day after day, what did she try to do with young Joseph? Try to seduce him. And day after day, he said, no, no. How could I do such a wicked thing against God? One day, she grabbed him, grabbed his coat, and she so hung on to him, he took off running without his coat, and uh, she just got spurned many times too frequently by Joseph, and so now her, her, her attraction turns to hate and she cries what? Rape. And he ends up 13 years in prison. Egyptian, ancient Egyptian prison, they fed you just enough to keep you alive. It was a hellhole. It was a nightmare. The Bible says in Psalms 105 that his feet were shackled and an iron collar was placed around his neck. Did Joseph get bitter? Was Joseph filled with an uh, uh, unforgiving spirit? with hate. Because he was innocent in all of this. All of his woes, all of his misery, all of his nightmare was due to the poor choices, the sinful choices of others. He had suffered because of the sin of others. He's innocent. He's righteous. All of his heartache, all of his pain caused by the sins of others. And so we can imagine that one word, one word with a question mark behind it, one word coursed through his mind and through his spirit. Tell me that one word. Why? Why? I believe that there's many of you that are sitting here this morning and you're asking the same question. Why? You see, troubles tragedies come in all shapes they come in all sizes don't they but often the most painful part of experiencing troubles experiencing trials are the questions am I suffering because I lack faith is God punishing me for my my sins what I did decades ago is it finally caught up with me God are you mad at me And like Joseph, there's one haunting preponderant question that that wants to, to course through our mind and in our spirit. Why? Why? This summer, we're in a sermon series called Favor Living. If you want to enjoy favor living, you not only need to discover why God allows us to go through deep, dark, valley experiences, but more importantly, you need to learn how to respond to the troubles of life. What's important is not what happens to us. What's important is how you respond to what happens to you. We want to look at that this morning as we preach a message called, Why? Begin to fill in the blanks with me this morning as we begin part one this morning, reasons why God allows troubles to come into our lives. Would you write this down? Trials often grant us greater revelation of just who our God is. A little over a year ago, Becky and I, With some members of Lakeside, we were on the Sea of Galilee. And boy, that is aptly called a sea. It's far more than a lake. It is a huge body of water, the Sea of Galilee, surrounded by mountains. And one day Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Did Jesus know what was about to happen? Did Jesus know that he was going to direct his disciples into a storm? Did Jesus already know that they were going to experience a horrific, gale, hurricane-like storm? Did Jesus know that? Sure did. And he led his disciples into it. Listen, Jesus hasn't promised us storm-free lives, but he's promised to be in our boat if you'll let him in. You know, storms are not important. Who's in your boat? I said, who's in your boat this morning? That's what's important. The storm hit. We know what Jesus did. Jesus spoke to the storm. I'm going to teach you how to speak to your problems this morning. Jesus spoke to the storm. Remember what he said? Peace. Be still. In the paraphrase, it says, shut up. Jesus spoke to the storm. And in the Greek, it's very interesting. In the Greek, uh, we have uh, immediacy. Uh, It was not a gradual cessation of the storm. The wind and the waves immediately stopped. Waves, the water went flat. Calm immediately. And what did the disciples say? They look at Jesus, who has just calmed the wind and the water. They look at Jesus and they say, Behold, what manner of man is this? Look at it in in Mark chapter 4. Put that on the slide. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I feel sorry for people that don't have problems. You know any people that seem like they were born under a golden star? huh? You know people like that? Hey, feel sorry for them. Why, Pastor? Listen, you will never, ever have fresh revelation. You'll never know Jesus as your healer until you're sick. You'll never know Jesus as your awesome provider until you're without. You'll never know the Lord as King of kings and Lord of lords until you suffer attack by the very forces of hell itself. Yes! If it wasn't for the very storms of life, we would never know God as our deliverer. God has given many of you a testimony. How many, how many of you lost your jobs in the Great Recession? How many of you lost employment during the 2008-2009 Great Recession? Yes! And you trusted God during that time. And God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And because, because of God's faithfulness, because of your testimony, you were you are able to share that with your children and your grandchildren. You've been able to give them a heritage of faith and let them know that God is faithful. Great is His Faithfulness. God has given you a song in the night. God has given you a testimony to share. That would have never have happened if you didn't have the trial, if you didn't have the trouble. Sure. Becky and I were booked at a hotel years ago we had the kids with us and I was working out in the fitness center and I had the treadmill turned up to 6.5 I am just booking it I am running on that treadmill I'm working out the sweat is more I'm ru- you're running pretty fast at 6.5 you you're hard put to keep up and the, the fitness center was surrounded by mirrors and I'm running away and I'm looking I said man that that bod is in pretty good shape there, man. I'm feeling good and I'm looking good, and I just kept looking at the mirror instead of looking at my feet. And if you treadmill people that are running real fast on a treadmill, you know that you shouldn't be looking at a mirror. You should be you should be looking at at your, at your feet. I didn't realize as I was looking at the mirror that I kept moving further and further back, and all of a sudden, bam! <laughs> It threw me off the treadmill into the wall and I quick looked up to see who was laughing at me. <laughs> Don't get your eyes off your feet. <laughs> Don't get your eyes off Jesus. Write it down. God allows troubles in our lives to teach us dependency on him to keep our eyes focused on Him. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul said, therefore, in order to keep me from being, what? Conceited. Paul, you need to understand, had unreal giftings. Both natural and supernatural giftings. But pride, God knew, was going to be a danger to him. To keep him from being conceited, Paul says, I was given a thorn in my flesh. We don't know what that thorn was. For when I am weak, then I am in, I am strong, because I'm depending on Him. He is my sufficiency. He is my strength, my high tower, my fortress. By the way, praise team, you couldn't have asked. I couldn't have asked for a better chorus to be sung. I want to sing that in my closing this morning. He has made me glad. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Again, we don't know Paul's thorn in the flesh. I believe it was the persecutions that he dealt with. But we know why God allowed them to move Paul from self confidence to God confidence. It's so easy to get bound up in self dependency, self sufficiency. Everything's going good. Everything's going all right. You got all your ducks in a row. you finally arrived at that stage in life. You don't have any worries any longer. Uh, me, myself, and I, we're doing pretty good. I'm here to tell you this morning, self-confidence. Self-confidence. Instead of God-confidence, self-confidence is bound up in the deceptiveness of the gradual. It's like carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide, you can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't feel it. But let me tell you, it has deadly effects. Some of you have heard the story of my brother who was using a pressure washer inside of his house. His newly constructed house in the middle of the wintertime using a combustion engine inside of a house. Duh! and his thinking became, became a bit fuzzy. He called his wife and he says, I don't feel good. You better call me back in 15 minutes just in case. Not only did his thinking become a bit fuzzy, then he started to become drowsy. And then he finally laid down and fell asleep Thank God she didn't wait 15 minutes. She called back in 5 minutes. And because he didn't answer, she sent an ambulance at Lapeer Hospital, Regional Hospital. They told him that uh, a a a 4-pack-a-day smoker has a carbon monoxide count of 25. He had a count of 170. He should be brain dead. And he is a living miracle to this very day carbon monoxide you can't see it you can't smell it you can't feel it but it's very real and its power is in the deceptiveness of its very nature and the fact that it's gradual christians don't fall away from god overnight it's a gradual erosion, a gradual denigration of their faith. It's a gradually getting away from God and beginning to trust in self instead of trusting in God. When you stop praying on a daily basis, when you stop reading God's Word on a daily basis, when you no longer need a word from the Lord, when you no longer need to be with the saints in the church, in God's house, you are showing the signs of self-dependence self-reliance, self-sufficiency, self-confidence. And God wants to bring you back to God-confidence. We come to a point where finally God's got to make a way where there seems to be no way because only God can do it. This is another reason the Bible says that God opens the door to troubles in our lives. You see, God is so aware of pride's deceptive victimization. He allows trials into our lives. So we'll learn to trust Him rather than self. Sometimes God puts us on our backs to cause us to look upward at Him. Listen, if anyone had a right to be proudful, it was Jesus. And what did Jesus say ultimately? Not my will, but thy will be done. There it is. There it is. So in my constant endeavor to have the most fit, healthy physique any man could ever possibly have. I was at Kmart, one of those prestigious stores, years ago, and I was going through their sports... Section and I saw a box that had the picture of this muscular man with chest springs. These springs that you spread out like this back, and you keep adding springs to it, and it, it increases your chest. And the picture, this guy had this muscular, massive chest, uh, and, and I looked at uh, that picture and I said, I, I want to be that. I want to be that guy. And you start off with one set of springs, then you go to two sets of springs, then to four. Uh, I said, forget this gradual building up of springs. I'm going to start with all four. Now, I should have looked at that picture on the box a lot more clear and with more focus because that guy had a shaved chest. He had no hair. I pulled back those four. <laughs> <laughs> ah! I haven't screamed that loud. I sounded like a little girl across the whole house. I mean, this whole mat, this gob of hair. I mean, you're talking about pain. There's another reason. Write it down. God allows troubles in our lives. God allows troubles in our lives to produce muscles of faith, persevering faith in us. Persevering faith in us. Hebrews 12:1, Let us run with perseverance, the race that has been set before us. Do you see that there? We're not just called to run with faith. We're called to run with a specific kind of faith. Persevering, enduring faith. Enduring faith. Why did teachers? Why did teachers give tests, exams? Why do you teachers that are in my attendance, principals that are here this morning, why do you you give tests and quizzes and exams? Is it because you want to make the life of your students miserable? Is it because uh, you don't like your students? Why does a teacher give tests? Huh? To make us smarter. To make us more successful. How many coaches do we have here this morning? Why does a coach... Make you do exercises. Why does a coach make you run laps? Is it because he, he, he or she wants to make uh, your, your life uh, uh, one of abject uh, uh, misery? No! To increase your muscles. To strengthen you. To make you more fit for victory. Yes, God doesn't want His children to be wimps when it comes to this whole issue of faith and trust in Him. God hasn't called you to be a sissy. God hasn't called your backbone to be a wishbone. God has called you to be a real man, a real woman of God. Even more so, God has not called us to be spiritual sprinters. If you know anything about track and field, a sprinter puts on a burst of speed, the 100-yard dash, they put on a burst of speed. And then what do you see? <laughs> and they, just, oh, they fall back in the arms of their assistance or their help. God is not calling you to be a spiritual sprinter. God has called you to be a marathon runner. Amen? To run the race of faith. And God wants to look down from heaven. And like the energizer bunny, He wants to look down and be able to say... Still going. Still going. (laughs) Running into unemployment. Still going. Into the hospital with a dreaded disease. Still going. Facing tragedy with the loss of a loved one. Still going. Still trusting me. Still in God confidence with me. Still going. God is calling you and I. Oh Lord, I got a sermon illustration now. My Pandora has just gone off and Frank Sinatra is (sighs) singing. How in the world did that happen? God forgive me. The way you look tonight, okay. (laughs) That's one of those things that'll go down in my memoirs. (laughs) Still going, still going. Even when Frank Sinatra is singing, still going. Number four, trials come into our lives to equip us to comfort others. Why does God allow you to go through pain? Why does God allow you to deal with a rebellious child? Why does God allow you to deal with sickness, with loss? Another reason is so that you'll be more fit to empathize. To understand the pain that others go through. Let me give you a Bible on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Listen. Listen. There's a unique school for God's special saints. I won't understand this school. I won't understand this training until I get to the other side of eternity. There is a special school that God enrolls some of His special children to. It's a school of suffering. It's a school where the miracle in the natural doesn't come. It's a school of wheelchairs and amputations. It's a school of cancer. It's a school of divorce. It's a school of financial loss. It's a school of shattered dreams. And the healing, the provision, and the miracle doesn't come instantly. Sometimes it doesn't come at all. Read the second half of Hebrews 11. Of those that did not receive the miracle in this life. But God looks down upon them. God looks down upon the preciousness of their faith as something more precious than pure gold. I ask you something. What's the difference? What's the difference? What's the difference with these? These are those that as they've gone through the fire, they've gone through the flood, they have a quickened understanding of the pain, the misery, the hurt, the rejection that others go through. No one understands. No one can minister to you more effectively than those that have been through it themselves. Amen? They know the right words. They know the right heartbeat to join with you in counsel and encouragement and comfort. In my early ministry, I used to preach very, very hard, hard on divorces. Divorce was not in my family experience. Divorce was not in my personal experience. It was only in my education, but not in my experience until I had staff members that lied against me. Members of the church that I had been at the hospital with, their funerals, who had falsely accused me. Uh, uh, People uh, that I I had so blessed and favored, uh, maybe in an associate pastoral position, uh, and so blessed only six months later to try to hold a confidence vote against me. And then a whole new sense of understanding of those who you had seemingly married who turned their back on you and became a Judas in your life. And a whole new sense of compassion and empathy and understanding came into my realm of thinking and ministry. Those who are especially gifted in mercy, empathy, and caring usually have had a whole number of personal trials. Those who are greatly used of God in ministry have also been greatly tested. And by the way, no one understands like Jesus. Come to Jesus at your time of hurt. Come to Jesus in your time of trial. There is no pain that you will ever experience that He has not suffered with more. Lastly, God allows trials in our lives so that we can experience the applause of heaven. The applause of heaven, Peter said in 1 Peter 1, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Let me ask you, what's the difference between a lump of coal... And a diamond. The pressure that the diamond has received. A diamond is basically carbon. A diamond is basically a piece of coal that has come under severe pressure. Pressure, the trouble that it endured, made that diamond precious. The word trials is translated from the Greek word dokome. Something put to the test for proving its genuineness. God allows you and I to go through the fiery trial at times to test our faith, to refine our faith. Ancient smelters, ancient gold refiners would melt the gold and then keep skimming it skimming it, taking off the dross, the tin, skimming out the impurities. And they would keep skimming it until they could see their reflection in the mirror of the surface of that melted gold. Jesus wants to see Jesus in you. Jesus, our Lord, wants to see His reflection in your life. And He'll allow you to go through the fire to refine you to purify you and if you don't pass the test you'll go through it again <laughs> until Jesus sees himself till Jesus is Jesus in you in you you see the world sees gold and diamonds as precious i know i know if i want an applause here in the in the church house I just share a testimony with you of of an outright miracle. Somebody being healed. I know you'll all applaud, and rightly so, for the glory of God. The world sees gold as precious. The church sees a miracle as precious. But God sees faith that keeps standing, keeps going, no matter what, even when it doesn't receive a miracle. God sees that as precious. More precious than gold, silver, or diamonds. Oh yes! God said to Satan in Job chapter 1, Have you considered my servant Job? Job never understood that all of his trials were due to something going on in heaven. Job never knew that God was trying to show that Job would pass the test. That Job would remain faithful no matter what loss he received or endured. That God was trying to show off Job to both heaven and hell as remaining faithful no matter what. Job, this side of heaven, never understood why he had to go through that trial. Do you realize that? This side of heaven you might never get an answer. In this life, you might never get an answer to why. Job never realized that he was God's priceless faith trophy for glory in both heaven and hell. Don't get so caught up in the miraculous that you lose the awe of persevering faith. Our young people, the middle schoolers under Pastor Ben, this week are going to go to the home of Jim Johns. Many of you have asked me, where is that man that used to sit in the wheelchair and greet everybody that would come in over by our chapel, by Solid Rock Cafe? That dear man, Jim Johns, an engineer at Chrysler, was as healthy and strong as any of us and then struck down by MS. And unless a miracle comes, that ailment, that disease, will eat his body, his nerve endings, piecemeal, while the brain uh, uh, lives alive and well in the shell of the body. Our young people are going over to, to work in his home and his property to bless him in the name of Jesus. As your representatives, I can declare to you... It's my prayer and I'd love to see Jim Johns get up out of that wheelchair and walk before all of you. Oh, what a miracle that would be. But I want to tell you a greater miracle. What heaven looks at, what God longs for, is not necessarily the miraculous in the here and now, but a faith that refuses to bow A faith that remains standing upright even when you're sitting in a wheelchair. A faith that says, I'm not going to kowtow or bow to misery, depression, hate, or bitterness. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to get better because I trust in my God who will not and cannot fail. Amen? One day, one day, one day, one day, Jim Johns will come into the glories of heaven. And whether he gets a miracle in the here and now or not, because of his unbowed faith, uh, he is going to arrive in heaven and he's not going to hear the applause of a congregation. He's going to hear the applause of heaven. (laughs) I don't know about you. I want the applause of heaven. I'm thankful for the applause of man. But I'm looking for the applause of heaven. I'm looking for my Lord to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Faith that refuses to be unbent and unbowed. That's the kind of faith that pleases the heart of God. Joseph spent 13 years in slavery and prison because he chose not to wallow in self-pity and depression, hate or bitterness, because Joseph kept trusting God. God was able to promote him from the prison to the palace. And he became the vice president of ancient Egypt. Understanding why God allows troubles in our lives is only one side of the equation. Let's discover right now how to respond to them real quickly. As we begin to wrap up. How does God want you to respond to the troubles that come your way. Write it down. To move from your prison to the palace of God's favor. An attitude of expectancy. (laughs) Expectancy in the Lord is the starting point for the miraculous. Expectancy. There it is. What can we say? What can we say? Now most of the congregation knows this story, but the Hartman family doesn't. So for the Hartman family, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna give it this morning. Amen. Amen. Many of you know at Christmas time, one of my special, special, special long for anticipations and desires is being able to enjoy Becky's brownies. Yes. At Christmas time, of course, it's cold outside and the house is all buttoned up and every odor and aroma, I'll tell you, that comes from the kitchen can be smelled and sensed in our great room of our house. But there is no smell, there is no odor or aroma like when Becky is baking her brownies. That chocolatey, fudgy, gooey Tasty brownie is already being enjoyed long before they cool down and I eat them. Because as I smell them, I'm getting excited. As I smell them, I'm already digesting them, eating them. I'm already enjoying them as I smell Becky's brownies. Some of you are here this morning and you're experiencing tragedy and trouble and trial. And in the name of Jesus, I want you to smell victory. I want you to smell healing company. I want you to smell provision coming. I want you to smell deliverance coming. I want you to sense that the glory is coming down. I want you to get excited that God is about to arise up and his enemies will be scattered. Hallelujah. I'm talking about faith's expectation. If you want to enjoy favor living, if you want to enjoy the miraculous, if you want to experience answers to prayer, you need to get excited about what your God is about to do. Because God's character does not change. He said, I am the Lord thy God and I change not. And all of God's promises are yay and amen. In Christ Jesus, He's the ultimate promise keeper. God has never, never been an Indian giver. He's never gone back on His promises. Hear me in this. So what does that all add up to? God is going to do something. A miracle is winking at you just around the corner. So Saint, Christian, uh, 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 ma'am, sir, get excited about what God is about to do in your life. Get excited about the miracle that is coming. Allow expectation to arise in your spirit. Ten times, ten times God tested Israel. And all ten times that God tested Israel as they walked through the wilderness, all ten times did they pass the test or fail the test. They always resorted to their favorite pastime activity. What was it? Complaining. Moaning and groaning. They chose to be whiners. And ultimately God said, Ten times I have tested this people. And now they want to go back to Egypt. And God shut the door to the promised land. God shut the door to His best for the people of God. God's best is there for you. And your choice, to be a whiner or to be a winner. I don't know about you. I want to be a winner. Jesus talked about this. This is our main text this morning. John 16, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Let me put that in the par- paraphrase. In this life, you're going to have trouble. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. It's a short trip to find trouble. There's no wall high enough. There's no door strong enough to keep out trouble. In this life, you're going to have trouble. But how are you supposed to act about that truth? You're supposed to get happy. You're supposed to be cheerful. You're supposed to be positive in your attitude. Why? Why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. Because Jesus won at the cross of Calvary because you're on the winning side as a child of God because Jesus is a winner because you're a winner then know that you're a champion in Christ Jesus we're called to be winners and not whiners trouble trouble is resistance birds couldn't fly without the resistance of air ships could not sail without the resistance of water you and I could not walk without the resistance of gravity Dr. Marie Ray, the noted psychologist, wrote the memorable book on famous people throughout time and history. And she found a common denominator of all famous people. They've all experienced terrible trouble that they persevered through. God allows trouble to come into our lives to make us into a people that are called by Him in this hour, this nightmarish hour before the the coming of Antichrist, the great tribulation, the second coming, Armageddon. Trouble can be an asset. It can turn a wishbone into a backbone. For the glory of God, when you rightly respond to your trials and your troubles by trusting God no matter what, spiritual maturity, spiritual growth, uh, uh, enduring faith that just won't let go is the result, is the result. Have you heard of Henry Dempsey, the commuter airplane pilot, that not long ago he flew a commuter flight on the east coast? back and forth from the state of Maine down to New Jersey and then back again every day. His co-pilot said that an alarm had gone off that the door was loose on the back of that commuter plane. So he went back to check on the door and to engage it into place and when he jiggled the door it flew open and sucked him out. 30,000 plus feet up. The co-pilot because they were over water immediately radioed air rescue notified of the tragedy perhaps they would find the body as they were going over water air rescue was alerted and engaged but Henry Dempsey was never found in the water but when the plane landed Henry Dempsey was found Clutching the strut of the plane and even though it was the frigid air so high up air that you could hardly breathe atmosphere that he could hardly take in Henry Dempsey hunkered down and just would not let go. He held on. And because he held on it saved his life. God is looking for men and women of God. Man, God is looking for young men and young women of God. Men and women that will hold on to His promises. Hold on to the character of God. Hold on to your testimony. Holding on to God and refusing to let go. No matter what in this age of darkness. We're not only raising our children and our grandchildren in X-rated culture, we are raising our children and our grandchildren now in an age of darkness that this world has not known since the dawn of time. Last night, do you know what happened in the city of Detroit? Last night, the city, in the city of Detroit, the satanic temple of Detroit promoted and held the world's largest satanic ritual. And the city of Detroit wonders why it has so many problems. Last night they unveiled a statue dedicated to Satan. A statue of a a being with a goat's head on it. This is not some ordinary whimsical statue. This statue weighed over one ton and cost more than $100,000. And last night was dedicated, and I'm quoting, to a night of chaos and debauchery as worship to the prince of darkness, Satan. We are raising our children and our grandchildren in a time that we would have never, ever thought possible. It's not by chance that last week, Sunday morning, I preached about Daniel 3 and and those three men that refused to bow to the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. And I paralleled that with Revelations 13, how the Antichrist will have his statue one day. And if you don't bow to it, you're going to be put to death. Listen! Time is moving quickly. God has an agenda for this world. And let me tell you, Armageddon, uh, uh, the Antichrist, the beast, 666, it's moving rapidly, this world into the great tribulation. It could be here before we know it as The Darkness is deepening. But God is looking for a holy remnant. God is looking for a people that are going to hold on to the faith. Hold on to the promises of God. Hold on to the truth of the gospel. And hold on no matter what. Will you be that kind of a people? Will you be that kind of a holy ghost people? Hallelujah. And when everybody else is bowing, you remain standing. And you're able to say, stand up, stand up for Jesus ye soldiers of the cross God is looking for a people like that that refuse to bow and that keep standing and keep holding on no matter what expect the miraculous expect to be a winner and not a whiner and watch what God will do winners enjoy God's favor write it down by speaking God's promises to their mountains Jesus said have faith in God Truly I tell you in Mark 11, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Jesus said, note that, have faith in God. How long have you been saying, I can't find a well-paying job, I can't enjoy prosperity, I can't have a good marriage. I can't break this terrible addiction. I can't be healed from this dreaded disease. I can't see my children ever living for God. I can't find real love and happiness. Where do you find miracles? You find them in cans. You need to destroy the I can't syndrome with ten faith filled words. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Hallelujah! You need to turn that around. You need to foster a miracle mentality. You need to start confessing and speaking to your mountain. I can enjoy God's favor. I can have better promotion. I can have new employment. I can have prosperity in my finances. I can have a better marriage. I can be set free from my addiction. I can see my children living for God. I can climb this impossible mountain for God's great glory. If you believe you can do all things through Christ Jesus, then with God's help you will. Respond to your troubles By speaking to your mountains. By confessing the promises of God. By speaking to your impossibilities. By quoting Holy Ghost Scripture. Jesus said, speak. Not in your words, but in God's Word. His Word is God-breathed. His Word is anointed. His Word is powerful. Lastly, God desires us to respond to our troubles with thanksgiving praise. Praise. Thanksgivings praise so he can promote us and bless us with favor. Joseph would have never become the vice president of Egypt if he had never spent time in the prison before the palace. God is desperately wanting to promote some of you. And that's why you're going through the prison experience right now. That's why you're going through the pits right now. Because the pathway to the palace is through the pits. And God is at work. God is moving the chess pieces. God is moving as one, as Tim Delina said, a thousand and one things to bring you to the place of promotion, to bring you to a place of favor, to bring you to a place of blessing. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer... What's what's your attitude supposed to be? Believe that you've already received it. When you come into prayer, believe that you've already received your answer and it will be yours. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Stop limiting thanksgiving only for a holiday called thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of the most powerful acts That you can perform, especially when you're going through a trouble, a trial, a tragedy. Move into an attitude of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, it is an attitude of expectancy. Thanksgiving, giving thanks unto the Lord before the miracle, is something that allows God to marvel at and be blessed with. Thanksgiving is an outward expression of an inward confidence that our God is able to do that which is exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or think. When did the children of Israel thank the Lord? When did they shout at the walls of Jericho? Before or after they fell down? Before. Amen. When did Jesus give thanksgiving? Before or after He multiplied the loaves and fishes? That's right. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, did He give thanks before or after the miracle? When Paul and Silas were at their midnight hour in that Philippian jail, when did they give thanksgiving? Before or after the earthquake? Before. What's God saying to us? The greatest way to express expectation in the miraculous is when you give thanksgiving for what you already have. When you give thanksgiving for what God has already done. When you give thanksgiving for what God is about to do. When you give thanksgiving for the miracle that's on its way. You need to have the stance and the posture of spirit you need to be able to say, I'm not going to wait until my finances improve. I'm going to thank you right now, God. (laughs) I'm not going to wait until the pain is gone or I'm feeling better. I'm going to thank you right now. I'm not going to wait until I see the results. Uh, I'm going to thank you for my health right now. I'm not going to wait until my mountain moves. Uh, I'm going to thank you because you're my wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, King of kings, Lord of lords, prince of peace and everything's going to be alright Joseph's brothers went to Joseph and they said don't kill us we know you've got the power you're the vice president don't kill us for what we did years ago what did Joseph say Joseph said what you intended for evil God turned it around for the good. God positioned me here. God allowed me to go through the pit, the prison, to get to the palace that I may save you and all of your families from the great famine that would hit the Middle East. Basically, Joseph was saying, God knows what he's doing. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Write it down with me. Remember, what happens to us is really not important. But how we respond in Christ Jesus to what happens to us is would you stand with me this morning precious Jesus precious Jesus I know we've gone a little bit longer this morning because the special happenings this morning in the service I am so glad that we're together as the family of God and I believe God's not finished with us yet you've got a choice you and I have a choice we can determine when trouble comes Sometimes trouble hangs around for a long time. We've got a choice to be a winner or a whiner. What will you determine to be? There was a gal that was a faithful member of this church that I made a promise to. And I made a pledge to. And again this morning, I hold up my end of that promise. Eloise Castro, a dear Hispanic, lady that faithfully, faithfully attended our services, stricken with severe sugar diabetes. She was in the hospital and I got the call. Eloise's legs from the thigh down, both legs amputated. The hospital called me and asked me as her pastor to come and counsel her after the amputation. The whole ride over there to Henry Ford West, I I, I went, what can I say? What do you say to someone that has suffered such terrible, terrible loss? As I went into her room, I expected to see abject sorrow, abject grief, the darkness of demonic depression. As I walked into that room, I saw a face in a bed that was all aglow, literally like there was a spotlight on her face. She was glowing with the presence of Jesus. And I said, Eloise, are you okay? How are you doing? She said, pastor, I'm doing just fine. They wanted to bring in a psychiatrist. And I told them, I don't need no psychiatrist. I have Dr. Jesus and he's all I need. (laughs) Hallelujah. But I said, Eloise, you've lost your legs. She said, right, but I've got the rest of my body and I'm thanking the Lord for that. Uh, I'm thanking the Lord that I can still praise Him. I'm thanking the Lord that I can still come to church. I'm thanking the Lord that I can still press into His presence. Stop whining about what you've lost and start thanking the Lord for what you have. And move uh, into the dimension of the miraculous and watch God move mountains before you as you determine to move into thanksgiving with Him. I believe that God is calling us to a special altar service here this morning. I know that many of you are going through some troubles. You're going through some trials. You're experiencing some tragedy. But this morning's promotion morning. (laughs) God wants to promote you to a new level in Him this morning. And I want to give a very unique and a very special altar invitation if you go if you've experienced trouble if you are experiencing trouble but you're determined to come down to this altar and thank the lord that he's on the throne and everything's going to be all right i want you to join me down here right now (laughs) if that's you i want you to join me right now that's right come 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 amen